and welcome to Let's Jaws for a Minute, the podcast which takes a deep dive into Steven Spielberg's 1975 classic film Jaws, minute by minute or thereabouts. I'm Sarah Buddery. And I'm MJ Smith. And this week we are joined by a guest. Uh, so everyone welcome Callum Jackson to the, the program. What's up, Callum? How are you doing, guys? Thanks for having me on. Much appreciated. Yeah, of course. Thanks for being here. Um, before we get into the scene analysis, we have to ask you the same question we ask everyone, which is, uh, why Jaws? Uh, (laughs) What is what is your personal connection to Jaws? And and how did it lead you on the road to uh, coming on a minute by minute breakdown uh, podcast of of the film? Well, I think for like a lot of other people, this is I suppose you could almost class it as a little bit of a bit of therapy, to be honest with you, because Jaws has been just part of part of my my whole life as far as I can ever sort of ever think back um my very but my very first memory of it was at um at home when I was a kid behind the tv uh we had like a a shelf and I can I can visualize four VHS tapes on there the old school 90s VHS tapes and that was Star Wars. I don't know if you guys remember the trilogy, sort of that, the gold and black Darth Vader trilogy VHS set. Mm. So I can picture that. And then I can also picture the parent trap, the 90s cla- Disney's classic, <laughs> and the Mighty Ducks, another classic. So they got watched over and over and over again. And then after that, there was just one VHS tape that I really wanted to watch that was left on the shelf. And it was like a really old VHS tape that had Jaws written on the side of it. So I was always pestering my mum about, oh, what is it? And, you know, I didn't know. It could be about a dentist. I mean, I literally had no idea what it was about. And then eventually told she told me it was about a shark. And then she told me a little bit more. And I kept asking her more and more questions about it. Um, and then it's really funny, but like a lot of the other guests have said on um, on the show up until now, Jaws is always on ITV. It just seems to constantly be on ITV. <laughs> so as as a kid, like I would just try and watch uh, bits and pieces on the TV um, and try and sneak it in. And then eventually my mum sort of, um, after she'd realised I'd watched quite a few scenes, she just sort of gave up in the end. Um, <laughs> and she just let me watch it. So she was like, oh, you've, you've probably seen enough. You can just watch it. Um, so I reckon I was probably like eight, nine, ten, 10, um, like most people seem to be. And... After all of that, it's probably the biggest mistake she ever made because she didn't probably sleep for like a week or two after because I was just up crying all the time, having nightmares <laughs> about sharks, about a shark popping out of the wardrobe, about a shark coming up by the side of the bed in the middle of the night. You know, I couldn't dangle my feet off the side of the bed. Um, so <laughs> after all of that wanting to watch it, I, in the early days, probably regretted watching Jaws um, as, a, uh, as a kid. And then... As a teenager, I remember thinking, oh, I really want to watch that movie again um, as sort of like a challenge to see if I could watch it again. Because 
I've never really seen a movie that had sort of scared me that much. Um, so it'd been a few years, and then as a teenager, I started watching it again. Um, just sort of, and I always remember like the fir- the very first time you see the shark when it pops up, like not knowing when that scene was, and literally watching the movie through my fingertips, at, like through my fingers at some points because I wasn't sure when it was going to pop out, and all like the jump scares I'd forgotten about, you know where they were, etc. But so it was a bit of a. Um, it was it was a bit of a journey through the teenage years, actually getting through Jaws and, and watching it, um, and then, as you do, as you become an adult, you watch it again and you realise that, oh, okay, it's not actually about just about the shark, but there's so much more going on, and there's so much more that you appreciate the story and the characters, um, and yeah, I just I just fell in love with the dialogue and just everything about it. Um, and then, so sort of through my 20s, I sort of just enjoyed watching it. Like, I would put it on any chance I got. I would watch it. And especially if it was on TV, for some reason, you feel like you need to watch it even more. Um, if if it ever pops up at the cinema, like for anniversaries, I'll always go and watch it. Mm-hmm. So, yeah, so through my um, sort of through my 20s, I, I watched it a lot. And then um, I, you guys must have heard of The Daily Jaws the um mm-hmm. yep. the page yeah so so uh, ross and and some of the other guys so during lockdown or just before lockdown i'm sh- i'm sure you guys have seen it but they posted about um doing a uh, a fan movie so like getting all the fans to send in like little clips and lockdown hit and i had a lot of time on my hands not much to do um so i transformed myself into uh in, in, into Quinn, not like twenty four. I wasn't walking around the house as Quint twenty four seven. I don't think my partner smashing gans yeah. left and right. <laughs> I don't think my partner would have been too happy if I was twenty four seven. I don't think I'd have been in the house that long. Um, I don't think I would have. Uh, I don't think I'd have been very welcome after probably about half an hour. I probably would have been kicked out. But no, it was more like, um, like basically, you had to pick a couple of scenes or a scene to film, and people were getting really creative with it, and. Um, I've always loved like the the quints like monologues like the town hall speech and obviously the Indianapolis. So you got a couple of really good monologues there. So I decided to learn them word by word, and I oh watched it. And I, yeah, it was it was it was intense. I, I went deep. I went deep into it, <laughs> and <laughs> so I learned the um, yeah. I le- learned the monologues, and I sent in a couple of and then sent in a couple of clips. So yeah, like I got like last year I just got really into Jaws again watching it a lot again and I would say the final thing is just like like even like when I'm driving like I'll just get a little itch like oh like like I'll just put like the Jaws um like the like the movie soundtrack on and just like and just put it on and flick it flick through the different tracks listen and like picture some of the scenes um yeah so I'm a bit of a I'm a bit of a fanatic really you could say I just like it's always been a part of my life and yeah, I just love it, and it's. I just want to introduce, like for people that haven't seen it, you know, obviously you're just very jealous of because you can't wait to introduce them to it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, so I thought the next obvious logical step was to get on a minute by minute podcast. That was kind of the final <laughs> final part of the mission. Um, yeah, that's so, the, uh, the the final form <laughs> of the Jaws fan, it seems. <laughs> yeah, exactly, exactly. Um, yeah, and we were saying off air like 
you know, to finally like to meet you guys, like, a couple of Jaws celebrities, you know, within the Jaws world. Like, <laughs> you guys are a big deal, a big, big deal. Um, you know, but you don't realize, but you are, you know, people, you'll be going, yeah, you'll be getting invited to Comic Con and all sorts. So, and I also yeah. did say off air, like, you, at the end of this, on the final episode, um, you know, you need to hopefully, and I'm sure you will because you deserve to, you need to get a call from Steven Spielberg just to say, look, guys. I didn't even realize I was doing a lot of this stuff. Like, I've. Yeah, that's. Like, I d- that's exactly like, what it is, right? Like, that's the. Like, uh, Joseph Conrad in. Uh, yeah. Is it Joseph Conrad? Uh, no. Oh, gosh. Take me back to yeah. sophomore year English. Uh, like, I just didn't even. Like, you, you could put. You would probably blow his mind if, if he listened back to it because it'd be like, wow, like, I'm better than I thought I was then. Like, I didn't realize I was. <laughs> I didn't. I didn't realize I was so good, but these guys think I'm brilliant. Like if he needs a li- if he needs a little ego boost, just stick just stick less yeah. jewels for a minute on, and he'll be he'll, he'll be he'll be loving it. So I do uh, think if you look yeah. at any clips of him uh, around that period of time when Jaws came out, he knew he knew he was he knew okay. he was pretty good. Yeah. Oh, okay. If, uh, yeah. I think we've referenced it before, but the 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 fact that the man hired a camera crew to film him getting nominated for best director. At the oh, yeah, Oscars, I did and then he that. didn't get nominated, and he throws a freaking tantrum. <laughs> yeah, it's, I've seen uh, that. Yeah, it's yeah. Uh, if you haven't seen it, look it up. It's on YouTube. It's readily available. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, it is very good. Mm-hmm. Yeah, um, uh, William Golding, by the way, is who I was thinking of, the guy who wrote Lord of the Flies. Oh, uh, okay. Who? Yeah. He like all these all these you know high school level English classes started analyzing the the book and they were like oh you know this represents this and the glasses represent civility and the broken glasses are the the loss of civilization to these kids and he was like i didn't mean any of that like this is... <laughs> but thanks that's not what i was saying at all yeah thanks so guys appreciate it yeah yeah I, I guess i did do pretty good um i feel like almost everyone that we've talked to um particularly those based in the uk have this sort of almost two act uh relationship with jaws which is i saw it when i was a kid and it scared the shit out of me and then (laughs) i rediscovered it as a teen or an adult and realized it was one of the greatest films ever made or i had to do an assignment on it in high school um, yeah yeah and realized it was one of the greatest films ever ever made um so it's funny that like it like you can almost set your watch to the the timeline of it but Mm -hmm. everyone has like the different ways in which that branched out from those experiences. Like, it's just, it's been really interesting to me to see like the commonalities in everyone's stories and then the differences in how they've taken their Jaws fandom uh, out yeah. with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's true. Actually, the next Jaws thing that I am going to, I don't know if you know um, or have heard about this, is called uh, The Shark is Broken. It's a play in London. Yes. Oh yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Are you go- are you going to it, Sarah? Are you going? I am going to try and get tickets um, post wedding uh, because I had tickets yeah. to see it last July, and then you know the world caught fire. Yeah. And everything broke. I think so. it's on from. Yeah, I'm going like, to try and see it. Yeah, I think it's like October till January or October till February, mm. or something like that. But it's um, Robert Shaw's son, isn't it, Ian Shaw? Oh. Yeah. So yeah, oh. that'd be cool. Ooh. We could yeah. try and get him on the podcast. Yeah, he would. No, he would actually. I I reckon because like or like maybe if you speak to Ross from Daily Jaws, he he because at the start of that little at the start of that little fan film, 
um, Ian Shaw, he done a little, um, he done a little intro at the start. Mm. Um, so maybe you guys could get that. Would be cool. Maybe on like the Indianapolis episode where he does a speech. That'd be cool if you could get oh, him on. Oh my gosh. Okay, adding to list. <laughs> right anyway, now. write that down. <laughs> write that down right now. Because <laughs> yeah, that would that would notes. be that would be really cool. And then you could ask him to do the speech on live. That would oh, be cool. Oh my gosh. <laughs> oh. <Yeah. laughs> and then and then and then he does that at the end and then like just as he finishes it, bang, podcast over. Mic drop sort of oh. thing. You know. That'd be cool. Mm-hmm. Just an Maybe idea. This isn't the play I thought it was. Maybe I haven't heard of this. <laughs> Mm. It's about them. It's like it's the three guys on the boat, but like it's that they're not like it's the in between bits, like what their what their relationship was like when the camera oh, wasn't yeah. rolling. That's what it's about. It's like you know, it's like comedy. Oh, but, um, yeah, that sounds great. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So this is a very good logo. Yeah, it's good. Mm. You know, it sounds uh, really good. Yeah, this sounds. I yeah, I don't. I don't think this is what I. I thought it was similar to the. Um, the musical. To the yeah, to the musical that yeah. we talked about. Yeah, yeah. Uh, also, who boy does he look like his dad? Yeah, oh no, a does. lot. He looks like him a lot. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Holy moly! <laughs> so similar. Yeah, especially yeah, there's. Uncanny. If you look him up, there are. Uh, pictures of him in the quint costume and it is yeah a exact. dead ringer it is yeah that is crazy yeah <laughs> it is crazy uh, so that's gonna be cool that is gonna yeah, be good that'll be that'll be something i want i'm jealous i want to <laughs> well you're gonna have to come to london to go see it <laughs> yeah i know right yeah. fly over, over. <laughs> yeah pop over um, anyway, let's talk about Jaws. Um, <laughs> yeah, let's do this it. This scene, uh, we have a, we have, is this our longest scene, Sarah? It is close to being our longest scene. I was worried you might ask me this. Um, I think we had another one quite early on that was, was two and about two and a half minutes. So this is, yeah, if not our longest, then it's one of the longest. Yeah, this is pushing three minutes so uh mm-hmm. the timestamp is 117 23 to 120 uh and five seconds and it's sort of the 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 come down from what we've talked about the last couple of weeks which is the the showdown between quint and the shark um and it uh it, we see quint f- struggling with the shark and saying that the shark were potential shark uh, went under the boat and then he he changes his tune about the intelligence of the fish and he he, he starts barking orders at Hooper and, and and Brody to get their gloves on hands the reel off to, to Brody and um, tells them to kind of help kind of reel in the fish um, while he goes and gets uh, I believe his harpoon gun um, and uh, meanwhile the whole time Hooper's arguing with Quint that it is not a shark on the end of the line. He's saying that it's a game fish, it's a swordfish, it's a tuna fish. Um, he says maybe it might be a stingray or something, but uh, or a marlin. And then the 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 line snaps, and um, Brody and Hooper are thrown backwards because of it. And Quint kind of uses the opportunity, uh, as is his uh, uh, 
his penchant for to make fun of Hooper uh, about uh, about it, and he tells him that the college educated kids aren't so smart, uh, aren't smart enough to to admit when they're wrong. And then Hooper makes obscene gestures at Quint behind his back, and uh, goes just decides to go back to his 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 post as uh, driving the boat, and uh, he starts making snarky comments out there, and Quint's still barking orders at him uh, <laughs> while explaining his his shark murdering process to uh <laughs> to brody who has suffered hmm. uh an injury on his head in this uh whole ordeal um and then the scene ends with the the boat driving off in the was it the south southeastern direction mm-hmm. right for 12 minutes or yep. whatever mm-hmm. that means um yep. so yeah that's the scene in a nutshell there's a lot going on here but uh callum what jumped out to you watching this scene um, in this sort of condensed way. Yeah, sure. Um, I think the more I watched it, the more I laughed. I think it's a it's a funny scene. Like, there's a lot of funny things in the scene, like funny dialogue, funny like 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 the fit. Obviously, like the physical comedy in this scene is really good. Like one of my one of the funniest things is when Brody gets handed the rod. Like, it just looks ginormous for some reason. Like, it looked big. Like, it looked big when um, Quint was holding it. But when it gets handed over to Brody, it looks like it's doubled in size. It just, like, it just looks massive. And he's like, oh, shit, when he gets hold of the rod. So that bit made me laugh. And then, um, and, like, Hooper, like, he's very funny. And also, like, you're really on Hooper's side because he's he's really sort of giving it to Quint in this, which is, especially in, like, the first half anyway. Um, you know, it's very funny when like Hooper's climbing the stairs and I'm sure we'll get into it in more detail, but I still can't work out what he's actually saying as he's and, like, it just makes me laugh more and more every time you watch it when he's mouthing off looking through that little glass window as he's going up the stairs. <laughs> that bit's really funny. And, um, but I think like the main thing for me, just like, like a bigger point is I think it's funny because, and you're invested because everyone's on like a really different like emotional level like in for the most of the scene Quint is like he's zoned in like he's not blinking he's focused like his eyes are like I think you described him before MJ on another episode as being like a predator like he's really like focused and like Hooper is the loosest like you've ever because Quint's upped it like it's, it feels like Hooper's like really loose and relaxed almost on purpose to annoy Quint. Like he's like, oh, Quint, let it go. And oh, it's not a shark and blah, blah, blah. And he's like very loose and relaxed. But then you've got like, and then you've got Brody in the middle who's just, he's, you know, he's just scared. Like he's just worried about like what's going to, he's so, it, you know, like when he says, uh, when he said about like the wires showing and like they're just not even listening to him. Like he's just, he's just like this, he's just like a scared guy in the middle of these two two guys who are on complete opposite ends you know they're not working together whatsoever and Brody's um completely out of his depth so it's yeah it's just a it's a funny really interesting really entertaining scene Hmm. I think what's what's so great about this scene is that it it is so funny and it comes after like a really, really tense moment as well. And we've spoken in the last few mm-hmm. episodes about how effectively 
Spielberg has been sort of like building this this tension, you know, that that slow clicking of the reel and Quint strapping himself in ready to do battle with the shark. That was all incredibly tense. And you're sort of readying yourself for this big showdown with the shark. And then not only does that sort of not happen, but there's a sense of it being a bit anticlimactic i think Mm. but in in a good Mm -hmm. way and then the the thing that breaks the tension in this scene is not the appearance of the shark and the the jump scare that we do get in a next scene actually i think like real real soon we're approaching that sort of you know the bit everyone knows from from jaws but you one thing i noticed in this is that you you barely see the the ocean in this or you're not sort of seeing disturbances in the water you're not sort of seeing splashing or anything like that you are just seeing quince kind of laser focus with this this fishing rod and then a lot of the sort of character interactions so the 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 big break in this tension comes with this scene being so funny we don't get that scare we get uh, the laugh instead which is something that jaws uh balances so expertly i think and and how thrillers uh sort of particularly this kind of thriller or horror i guess and another example of a film that does this well is is get out with it sort of it's either going to be a scare or it's going to be a laugh and because you're not sure which one you're sort of constantly in this this state of unease and that's a very good place to be in for this for this film, for this kind of film to work as well. It's just like a constant state of of unease. Um, and it just works so, so well, I think. And there's the the very obviously funny bits in this with with Hooper pulling his faces and doing his pirate impression up on the up on the top um is still very, very funny. But yeah, I'm I'm glad you mentioned Brody's uh oh shit moment, Callum, because that made me absolutely howl this time i just found it so funny he looks like one yeah. of the borrowers with that fishing rod like <laughs> i don't know what kind of like camera trickery they have done to make that fishing rod suddenly look yeah. massive it's the same fishing rod it is just quint passing it over to to brody whether quint is just whether robert shaw is just like a bigger guy than roy scheid or if it's i don't know it might even be in the camera angle or something they've done like a forced perspective thing to make it look mm. like it's like <laughs> it he is like struggling yeah. under the weight of it. It's so funny. Yeah, it is. Just like the the reel is just just looks massive. Like it's so much bigger. <laughs> I, I don't know. Maybe they did use another fishing rod. They might have, but um, I mean, I doubt it. But I mean, it just looks a lot bigger. Like you say, there's some sort of trickery going on. I don't know what's happening there. Mm. Yeah, this um, uh, this scene is this scene is three yuck yuck yucks away from being a Three Stooges bit. Like <laughs> it, it, it is so it's not slapstick right like that's that's an overstatement but it bore it brushes up against it pretty heavily and uh (laughs) even just like the dynamic between the three guys especially with like hooper and and uh quint uh going back and forth and then hooper's like childish ass like he's he's pulling faces at him and (laughs) um (laughs) making fun of him behind his back like it just feels so um I don't want to say out of place because it's it works obviously but I mean like I said it does it feel it feels like it comes in from like a 1930s comedy short with you know Larry Moe and Curly like it, it just mm. it just it, it, and this is something Spielberg has done his entire life right like he 
he has drawn on the the the, the uh, influences of his movie going childhood, and mm. um, you know we see it obviously with all the Hitchcock stuff across his entire career, um, and uh, you know Indiana Jones is is based out of his love for nineteen um, thirties like adventure serials in particular. Uh, the Cary Grant film Gunga Din um, and a lot of those like 30s, 40s, 50s type of, of of influences. And so we see that here in this, that it just it feels, you know, like a Marx Brothers bit or a Three Stooges bit or even an early Chaplin um, when he was mm-hmm. doing a lot of slapstick Pratt folly stuff in it. And it's like really great that he found a way to kind of inject that in this movie. And it, it gives it a lot of personality because, you know... There's, and I think we've talked about this before, not, you don't experience stuff in a, in a vacuum, right? Like this is obviously a tense situation, but also funny shit is going to happen surrounding it. Um, Mm -hmm. And at the same time, like you could be in a funny situation and something dire could happen in the middle of it. And you can feel both of those things, right? I mean, I feel like, you feel that if you see someone fall down, like as long as they're okay, it's a little funny. Um, but <laughs> you know, if it could also go horribly wrong too. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I think that this movie does such a great job of balancing that and it doesn't feel out of place. Like the, the, the control of the tone here is, I mean, I keep, I sound like a broken record, but it's just, it's so, so good. Yeah. It's almost like, like the tone and like the level of like the emotion it's almost like a wave sort of like how it goes up it goes up and down but like quite softly throughout the scene like it's Mm -hmm. like you feel like anything could it anything could happen at any moment but it's it's a it's sort of a fine line it's it's, there's one scene in particular where i don't know if they've done this on purpose but it's that shot of Brody where he says the wire's showing when i hadn't seen when I first started watching Jaws again, and that over-the-shot um, clip of Brody when he turns around and says that is very, very similar to when you see the shark pop out. You know when he's chumming, like it's very similar. And when you see that clip, you can see the water behind him. You're almost expecting it to come up then. And it's—I just noticed how sort of similar, similar that was. It's almost like an identical shot, which is pretty cool. I don't, I'm yeah. I'm super glad you mentioned that because I had that in my I had that in my notes and I think this is maybe the first time I've I've noticed yeah. that I think that in the I think he's over the other side when it's the chum chum some of this yeah um, he is yeah he's at the back right the when he's chumming yeah yeah, yeah on the so, back of the yeah. boat but mm-hmm. I th- this is really I mean, I've seen this film so many times. I think between us, probably, like, certainly into the hundreds uh, of yeah. times that we've watched this film. And even I, for, like, a split second, was like, oh, this this isn't when it happens, is it? And <laughs> I think I know, that that's... That's, what, that's exactly how I felt. Exactly the same. Yeah. It, it, it has the perfect, um, the perfect effect, really, because what it sort of made me think was the people who saw this in the cinema when it came out in 1975... 
And then I'm not too confident in sort of when it then was available to watch at home, but it would have been, I guess, in the 80s, right? With sort of VHS and Betamax and that sort of thing. I don't know my technologies well enough, but it could have been sort of like potentially 5, 10, 15 years that people went without seeing Jaws if they'd been to see it at the cinema. So they would have remembered the shark popping out of the water because that's not a very easy thing to forget. So having two very similar shots, very close together with the same character and the same amount of ocean kind of showing in the background and that character delivering a line as well, it's so effective in sort of making you think this is going to be the bit where it happens. Um, Mm -hmm. And I I can vouch for like first timers even thinking that this was the bit where it happens because i think unless you live in a place with like no internet tv no exposure to any kind of pop culture i think everyone knows that shot from jaws when the when the shark pops pops up um so when i saw this at the cinema with with some people who had never seen the film before i could see them tense at this moment because i think they thought oh this is when it happens and it doesn't so it works for those who have seen it before and it works for first timers. It's a brilliantly subtle, uh, subtle shot and I loved it. I'm, I'm so glad you mentioned it, Callum, because I, I had it poised and ready to go. I was just like, this is my favourite thing about this scene now. Yeah, um, it's funny, isn't it? Yeah, go on, MJ. Yeah. Oh, I was going to say, so uh, brief history of Jaws' home release. In the US, <laughs> it was released on Laserdisc in 1978 mm-hmm. um and aired on tv in november of 1979 in the uk it was released on vhs well it was released on vhs in the u.s in 1980 it was released in on vhs in 1981 in the uk and at first broadcast in the uk in October of 1981, and it is the second biggest TV audience ever for a feature film in the UK behind *Live and Let Die*. Um, wow! 23 that million people impressive. watched it on that inaugural broadcast. Yeah, That's amazing. Darren, who came, yeah. Darren, who came on a few weeks ago, he, um, I remember that was part of of his Jewel mm-hmm. story. That was the first time he saw it. I think was when it had mm. its first TV broadcast. So that was very cool to hear about. Yep. Um, and then in the U.S., when it aired in November of 1979, 57% of the people who were watching television that night were watching Jaws. <laughs> that's mad. <laughs> that, that's insane, isn't it? Which has got to be impressive. so many people because this is, I mean, think about it, it's pre-internet, right? Like, yeah. Yeah. everyone's <laughs> just watching TV. That's your essentially your only option at home at the time it, it it must have been so much scarier then as well like because oh, yeah, sure. it just must have been you know just watching it then and like uh, you, you know imagine leading up to it that that week i bet everyone was sort of talking about it oh you're gonna be watching jaws on you know it's on sunday you know mm. like it must have been like a big deal like a really big like for that m- amount of people to be watching it like that must have been talked about a lot beforehand to build up like you know the excitement around it Yes. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh. Yeah. Okay. We can do some, some quick maths here, I think, and figure it out. Uh, <laughs> it's worth doing. Millions of people. <laughs> yes. So, uh, okay. I'm not the best at math, but they base the ratings on 120 
1.6 million television sets in homes. Mm-hmm. So 57% uh, of that is... 70-something. 68 million people were watching Jaws. Yeah, is that the that's the, popu- the population of the UK, right? 68 million yeah. people, roughly. 68 roughly. million 742 thousand people were watching Jaws. <laughs> that's amazing. That is amazing. Oh my god! Yeah. <laughs> Mine. How many people watch this at Super the same Bowl time? Yeah. No. no no, I, I can't see how anything would be watched as much as that. I mean, how so, that's never going to be broken. Super Bowl averages about 96 million people a year. Mm-hmm. 90, 90 to 100 million people. Yeah. Mm. So it was just 20 was, million people less than the Super Bowl. That's crazy. Jeez. Yeah. yeah. Anyway, so but, that's that's the home that, video. That's unreal. <laughs> Yep. Yeah. Uh, it was the second, when it was released, it was the second highest televised movie audience in the U.S. at the time behind Gone with the Wind. And it mm. remains the fourth highest rated ever. Wow. You can just picture it, can't you? Just like families gathered around like these little TVs. <laughs> like these little, like getting nice and close to the TV. And it just, and even though they're watching it on like this small, like grainy TV, like it probably... It obviously was still terrifying, even though, like, now we've got, like, 4K and everything. Well, they definitely didn't have 4K then, and it was still so effective. I actually think with Jaws, like, actually it being a little bit grainy and that, like, I used to love, like, I think even just, like, putting an old VHS on of it now, you would still enjoy it just as much. Like, you don't need, like, the 4K. Like, it's nice, Mm -hmm. but, like, you can still really enjoy it with just, like, an, an... you know, just a standard DVD or like, I don't know. It just has that, it has that timeless feel to it where even if you stuck a VHS on it, it'd still be good. Mm-hmm. Yes. Uh, so also you got to keep in mind Jaws in 1979 was re-released that summer in theater. So people had already gone to see it in the theater that summer. <laughs> yeah. Mm-hmm. And they still, still 68 million people watched it. So they'd probably watched it twice then already, and they wanted yeah. to watch it for a third time. Yeah. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah, I don't blame them. It's a good film. It's a good film. <laughs> pretty good, pretty good <laughs> movie. Pretty good. It's a pretty good movie. It's a pretty yeah. good movie. Yeah. This is, I guess, well, this is, you know, where the, the fandom of Jaws started, really, and how it became mm-hmm. such a. It's so much mm-hmm. bigger than just a movie. I know that sounds like really like horrible and pretentious to say, but like it is so much more than that. Jaws to me has always felt like an like an event, and the mm-hmm. there's a reason why people sort of you know say it is the first summer blockbuster because mm-hmm. it had that impact when it came out of people like queuing around the block and just like talking about it and being like you have to see this film, and then. It has, you know, a big re-release then a few years later, and then it has this insanely big television audience for its sort of its first showing on on TV. There's like there is a reason why this film has such an impact on people and why it continues to as well. I mean, it's it is timeless. It's Jaws is never going to to be sort of 
irrelevant or or out of fashion i mean we've talked about how relevant it is in in this year or in last year particularly with sort of some areas um involving the mayor as as we've talked about a lot but (laughs) it's just never that's just the impact of jaws is never going to lessen i think and it's it's because of great scenes like great scenes like this and the the one that we're sort of talking about next week as as the one everyone knows this is a film that people are very very familiar with regardless of whether they have just seen a few images from it or whether they're kind of you know obsessive fans like we all are it's it's something that just everyone i think is at least semi aware of and that's incredible there's a, there's got to be only a few films like that really isn't it funny but like i don't know if you've like you have experienced it with Jaws, but like, you know, we've just dished out like those massive numbers and and how popular (laughs) it is. But as like a teenager and like, I remember like at school, like no one had really seen it. Like not people that I knew that like, or like people might've seen it and they're like, oh yeah, the shark movie. Like no, (laughs) yeah. Is that, is that the movie with the shark in? Oh yeah, that's right. Mm. Like people saw, I don't know, but it's like, maybe like the young sort of like the younger generation or like the generation after i mean it's massively respected by people like us and people who love the film but there's lots of people like at school and even going you know like through my 20s and just talking to people about it it seems like people like my i mean i'm 31 so like maybe like my age and younger um mm-hmm. a lot of people either haven't seen it or don't really appreciate it maybe they've not they've not given it sort of enough time or enough thought. But like when I think about my parents' um, generation, so they were born in like the 60s. So, you know, they would have been teenagers when this come out. Like everyone, like like everyone, most people their sort of age have seen it. And like they've realized what a big deal it is. And mm. yeah, and for those people that haven't seen it, like my sort of age, well, you know, they're missing out. Because like you say, it's a pretty good movie, so... <laughs> Yeah. Pretty good. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> um, Big time. One of the things I love at this scene is it starts off, right? Like we talked about how funny it was, but it starts off almost gravely serious. Like mm-hmm. um mm. Quint is is I mean, he looks almost caught off guard by what's happening on the end of this reel. Like he the the look on his face at the beginning of it is uh it's like it's not terror, but it's almost this realization that he's up against something maybe even bigger than what he kind of thought. And he, mm-hmm. he, you know, he wasn't taking this threat lightly either. So it's him being like, oh, I was prepared for the worst. And this is worse than the worst. <laughs> and, um, <laughs> you know, there's, I think it's an important moment for him. But also, I thought the delivery on this was really strange. Um, and maybe you guys could... Um, could help unpack it a little bit but when it cuts to hooper and he says i got something really big on the end here uh which lol but uh when hooper says i don't think so it almost sounds like haunted yeah definitely where he says i don't think so but he did he does it is i know exactly what you mean because i think i i made a note somewhere about that but yeah I know exactly MJ I felt the exact same thing that that line that could easily be um that could easily be out of like a 
you know, like a horror or like a like a paranormal sort of film or something like that. The way the way he it has like it it has like a ghostly feel to it. You're yeah, definitely right. It sounded there. like something he would have said in um, Close Encounters. Close yeah. Encounters, yeah, exactly. Mm-hmm. Yeah, mm-hmm. no, it 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 does. Um, yeah, no, I I I know I know it's the exact same thing, um, and it's really I sort of took you your guys advice actually like listen to your um you know listen to all your episodes like actually watching jaws with headphones and subtitles on i've never done that before you know i've always just watched on the tv and like this the sounds like yeah it's a pretty cool experience because you do hear a lot more like at the very start of this scene just quint i really like the shot of like his back and when he's like exhaling as he's pulling like on the rod you don't really hear that so much but when you got the headphones on like you realize how much he's straining like he's really yeah. straining with the rod like putting pulling all his weight into it um and like what you said mj about his face like his eyes and what he's saying is kind of like a different thing like and he doesn't blink at all i've noticed for a long long time like he's so it, it almost is a little bit like he it's a little bit of terror in his eyes and he knows he's got like a hell of a challenge here but he doesn't ever in the whole scene like he he doesn't ever want the other two especially hooper to know that <laughs> he's even a little bit concerned um and it actually gets funnier towards the end of the scene because of that yeah that's actually something i just realized as you were talking is that at this point when, I mean, we are seeing Quint looking out and looking pretty, yeah, shocked, I guess, or surprised at what is happening. But Brody is behind him at this point and Hooper is up on the up on the, the top. So that neither one of them is seeing Quint's face in that moment. And then he sort of, he carries mm. on with the very, you know, Quintness after that with all the sort of, you know, the bravado and that he he's he's going to be able to reel it in and all the rest of the thing but they i guess are not seeing that that other side that we are seeing which is a a moment of being like probably a little bit scared of just not knowing what what he's up against and i also really love that line reading from from richard dreyfus when he says i don't think so because you sort of read that in the script and particularly with the rest of the things that Hooper says in this scene, it could be like very mocking sort of like, I don't think so, but it's like, it's not that at all. It's completely different. And it is that sense as well of, of Hooper realizing that some, that something is not right here. I mean, him and Quint are having the same reaction really, but neither one is aware of the other. Like uh, Hooper can't see Quint's face. And I think Hooper says that so quietly that Quint wouldn't hear over the sort of, you know, focusing on, on what he's doing. But one great thing about watching this film with, with headphones is as well as the incredible sound design that we have praised many, many times is I'm picking up on these really like subtle notes of the of the score. Yeah. And we mm-hmm. we talk about this a lot in how the score kind of stands in for the for the place of the shark when you couldn't actually see the shark because the shark was broken or, you know, <laughs> just wasn't mm-hmm. wasn't playing ball that day. Uh the score is kind of like there to 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 stand in place of, of the shark really. So when you hear it, you know the shark is coming. And mm-hmm. What I didn't realize in this scene is how quickly the score 
comes in and then goes Mm -hmm. and it does not come back for the rest of the the scene and that kind of blew my tiny mind a little bit because i was like or maybe you hear the you know small notes of the of that score come back in as they are kind of continuing to to grapple with the shark but it does not it comes in when quint realizes that the shark has gone under the boat uh and then it goes and then it is gone for the for the rest of this scene so it's the whatever was there is is no longer there and i just think that's a really great subtle way of of letting you know that they are dealing with something that is um well, Quint says it himself is is smart <laughs> and is going to mm-hmm. sort of try and outwit them uh, in a in a way. And it sounds like slightly otherworldly as well. That tiny little bit of the score. It's not quite the the mm-hmm. the shark score that we're familiar with, but it sounds very mysterious and and intriguing and and all the rest of it and works very effectively in that sort of moment of realization and and then as quickly as it has come in it's gone and i think that was yeah something that i uh noticed this time particularly watching it with headphones on yeah i think it puts you um i think it puts you on edge as well because um like we said mj about being ghostly you know when he's at the top and he says i don't think so and then I actually really like the sound of his gloves as well. When Hooper jumps down, he slides down. Mm. I think that's pretty cool, that bit. And uh, he, he lands and he says, I think he says it's not um, it's not a shark. And he also says to him, he goes, oh, hey, Quint, let it go. Because like, he knows like that's probably the best thing he could say to sort of wind him up. Because like, Quint's there like really struggling. But when Hooper says that, he's like he doesn't let obviously Quint hear him say, I don't think so. And then, but he jumps down and then starts joking around with him. So, you know, like, you don't quite know what the characters are really thinking, which is really good. Like, there's a whole, there's a lot of mystery sort of in the scene and what they actually think it is and how they're really feeling. Um, which leads really nicely onto when, um, you know, he gives Brody the rod. Um, Hooper's like, this is a waste of time and he's putting his gloves on and it, that shot's really good it's it's actually double really funny because not only have you got like Brody struggling with the rod you've got the close up of Hooper with his like really angry little face like talking to himself like oh this is stupid like this is a waste of time like a little kid almost and um, and then you've got Quint going off to and he come when he comes back when the line snaps and they both sort of fall back i love this i love the the shot and i think it's really clever because it really puts you it's really good at putting you in hooper's head and maybe we've all been there where we've been winding someone up or we've said something and then we you're just and then all of a sudden the ball's in their court and they've got like all the ammunition to to fire something back at you because you've messed up or something like that and mm-hmm. when the line snaps and then hooper slides back up the door and his face is in shot but quint is really blurry in the black in the background and it almost gives you a sense of being in hooper's head and thinking oh god like he's almost just trying to blank quint out because he's he's just waiting for quint to come at him with something like he's just like and he says to him it doesn't prove a damn thing like because he knows like quint's gonna come at him and i also then really like the clip after that of what, uh, when Hooper says that when Quint just subtly it almost reminded me of like a school teacher and a child where 
like or like an old headmaster like when, when Quint like lifts his hat up a little bit like he sort of looks quite terrifying like his eye contact he really like locks onto Hooper's eyes and he basically lifts his hat up to say hey like listen up to what I'm about to say to you because like I really you really need to hear this sort of thing um and then when he goes into uh you know the wealthy college boy thing and then he comes back at me with that because he knows that that's the last thing that Hooper wants to hear. It's like they're going right at this point. They're maxed out on their insults to each other. Like they're really trying to hurt each other. So like Quint's really trying to hurt Hooper. And I think that's why like Hooper retaliates with like the school playground gestures, you know, um, <laughs> which then, but then they turn it back funny again. So it gets serious for a second, but then it gets really funny again. Um, but yeah, I love that. I, I just love that little interaction there between between Hooper and, and Quinn. Yeah, this uh, Hooper is my favorite in this scene. And mm-hmm. uh, <laughs> I, whenever someone does the like post four characters that you relate to the most or whatever, uh, I always post Hooper, but I always post him with his hands in his mouth and his tongue out. Um, yes, that's, yeah. that's my go-to. If if I'm using Hooper as the like character I relate to, that's the that's the screenshot I go to uh, <laughs> for <laughs> for that. Um, but I also love this is my this is my favorite line spoken by any any of the main three in the movie is <laughs> when he's on top and he's just like, I can't take this abuse much longer. And that yeah, weird, it's, great. it's like this weird, uh, like Ben Gardner accent that he's doing. <laughs> and it yeah. feels like it informed a lot of Alan Ruck's performance in, um, Ferris Bueller's day off when he calls the school and yeah. pretends to be his dad. <laughs> Because my favorite line in that movie is when he goes, "Do you know who the hell I am?" And it's yeah, very when he's similar. in the when he's in the yeah, the one where he's when he's in the kitchen and he calls yeah, his uh-huh. is it that that clip? Yeah, yeah, yeah that's right. It, it is very similar to that. You're right. <laughs> yeah, that's great. And like that, that actually when he just before he says that, doesn't he? Quint, um, really good for I feel like good foreshadowing as well because. Um, I mean, you've mentioned it before in other episodes, but there was a couple of things um, that I don't, I won't have to, I won't, like, as if he actually says, I won't have to take this abuse much longer. It's like, well, I mean, you could look at it as just like, you know, it's got like a comical line, but also like, oh, like, why not? Like, what are you going to do? Or what do you think is going to happen? Like, is something going to happen? So I thought that was quite good. And then just before that, I also really liked the line of, um, What's the point? Hooks and lines from Brody. I just yeah. think that's funny because it's like, well, what, what else are you gonna use? Like, I don't know. Like, I I don't know what your plan is, but um, he's like, oh, what's the point? It's like, but that's almost like good for- foreshadowing again because basically it's saying, look, like your bog standard fishing rod, hooks and lines. Like, it's not gonna do a job. You're gonna need, yeah. I don't know, an air canister or something. No, uh, yeah it's total cop yeah. brain right where he's like there's got to be an easier <laughs> way to kill a fish yeah <laughs> yeah exactly yeah and he he almost goes into Brody almost goes into cop mode then doesn't he when he sort of because then he I quite like that bit where he just sort of like collapses sort of just sits down on the on the bench inside and it's almost like 
he's just got back from like a a tough day at work you know like he's just been out solving a big case or something or he's just he's just seen something and he's come back and he's slumped down he's lit a cigarette it's literally the first go it's like they've they've had the first bite and um that's that's just enough for him he's like now bugger this just give me just give me a cigarette and he lights his cigarette up and um, he he just needs it. He just Brody just we all feel for him because he just needs a little sit down. He just needs a little smoke, just uh, just to sort of calm himself back down. And then what? at that point, when he's got the at that point, I actually quite like it because it's almost it's almost like it's the first little bit of the soft side of Quint. And he would have never offered the first aid bag to Hooper. There's no way. Mm. Like if that was Hooper. With a bumped head, or, he wouldn't. He wouldn't have even told Hooper about the first aid. He probably just hid it from him. But um, but with Brody, he was like, like he touches his head and he says, "Oh, the first aid's up there." And I thought it was. It almost was a little bit like not like what you'd expect to hear from Quint. It's kind of a nice. It was like I thought it was a nice little touch. What's yeah. so funny about that is like the way Brody slumps down, like he's just done a, a hard day on the streets of New York. He has literally just like thrown some chum in the water and held a fishing rod for like <laughs> and tied a knot. <laughs> and tied a knot. Look, that knot took a lot out of him. Uh, but yeah. he sits down like exhausted with like a cut on his head. Like, <laughs> well, it's been a really, it's been a really hard day, and like Quint's doing. All yeah. the kind of like the heavy, the heavy labor, and sort of you know the the grappling with the shark, and and Hooper is is doing his thing and steering the boat, and not to like bless him, poor little baby Brody has done like the least of all of them. I feel in, in, yeah. at this point anyway, and uh, mm. yeah, I that sort of um, gesture of 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 Quint helping Brody is we sort of mentioned it in the when he's actually when he's teaching him to tie the knot that there's this sort of like slightly Mm. strange like father-son dynamic that I have never really picked up on before and Brody is a bit like a stroppy like child in this scene as well actually he's almost in his like adolescence like when he's like hooks and lines what's the point like shuffles (laughs) into the (laughs) shuffles in to go and have a sit down because he's because he's tired was um, a point. Yeah. Yeah. The way Quinn just sort of like lightly kind of like taps him right yeah. over the head and it's just like, you know, first aid kits over there sort of thing. Is uh yeah, yeah I I'd forgotten about this this little moment between them. So I'm glad that there's something else in there, this sort of like slightly strange uh father son thing between between Brody and Quinn. It's a nice role reversal because all we've really seen of of or a lot of what we saw of Brody in the first half of the film is is Brody as as the dad as the father figure and that's you know obviously when we see mm. a lot of his kids in the film as well so it's kind of fun to see those tables turned a little bit and and Brody really um obviously like comes into his own like later in in this half of the film but we talked about his I think on a couple of episodes ago, actually, his sort of having like two complete arcs. I mean, he finishes the first, mm. the first half of the film, ripping open the curtain, having just defeated Larry, and then he enters this half of the film like a child. Ellen has packed his bag and and sent him off mm-hmm. for his uh, his school trip with all of you know the stuff that he needs, and then 
big big daddy quint is teaching him how to to tie a knot and and helping him patch himself up together when he falls down and you know gets a boo-boo on his head like it's <laughs> it's quite funny the sort of like seeing mm-hmm. him him go back to that almost like childlike state when we have just seen him be so dominant mm-hmm. particularly towards the end of the of the first half of the film and we we get back to that place again but it's um it's a lot of fun i i don't think i've quite realized before like how much of a change this is for brody in in this half of the film and it's really fun to watch you're exactly right with what you're saying about sort of a as sort of a strange like the like a father like quint's almost like the the sort of vibe I get is like Quint's like the dad, and then you've got like Brody's like the eldest son, who like Quint is almost like taken under his wing, and then he sort of sees Hooper as like the annoying sort of second younger child who's like always challenging him, <laughs> who's always just like being annoying, and like Quint just finds him aggravating. Like he doesn't, but he just doesn't. He basically just doesn't understand Hooper. Like he doesn't really understand him, but like mm. for like he has a lot of respect for. Um, sort of for Brody and I don't know whether it's because he's a cop or whatever it is, but it's funny. Um, it's funny because in the scene just before the, um, just before the first aid um, sort of what he says about the first aid, he says about um, it. I mean, Quint's obviously got like a, a massive ego and he sort of doesn't want to admit, even though he's, because he kind of contradicts himself, Quint does. Because he says to Hooper, um, you know, you wealthy college boys don't want to admit, can't admit when you're wrong. But then when, then he sits down with, um, then he sits down with uh, Brody. And he basically wants to convince Brody that he, that he's, it wasn't because of his gear or like the line snapped. It was nothing to do with him. Like, it's almost like he wants to show Brody that actually this is all part of his plan. Because he says to him, um, I did, hang on, I made a note of what he exactly said. He said, he said, and it's really funny because Brody's just like not interested at all. He's like completely switched off, smoking his cigarette, basically saying, just shut up, Quint, and just, just catch a shark. Like, I'm literally ready to go home already. And Quint's almost in that scene, like talking to himself. And he says, I trick him to the surface, uh, Chief, and jab at him. Um, I'm not going to haul him up like some catfish. So like that really made me laugh because he's basically Quint's basically making out to Brody that oh yeah like this is all part of his plan like he wasn't actually going to catch him straight away like he's just going to jab at him and slowly bring you know slowly bring him up to the surface. Well, coincidentally, me... that is also Joe Biden's plan for getting the majority of Americans vaccinated. So <laughs> <laughs> yeah, links in nicely. Trick him nicely. out and jab him. Chop. <laughs> 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 yeah, I'll trick him. I'll trick him out of the house slowly and jab at him. Um, he's not going to haul him up. So, yeah, no, I think you're right, MJ. You've nailed that on the head there. Yeah, uh, um, yeah, that's almost verbatim what he said in his speech yesterday. So, yeah, pretty much bang on. <laughs> so, uh, yeah, no, it's. Uh, more more humor in there is interesting but yeah that dynamic it's definitely there it's a f- i i just wonder i do wonder like when spielberg wrote the film what he pictured or in i mean it was very obvious and clear what quince and hooper's relationship was but 
like with the the dynamics there, but I wonder what the initial intentions were for Quint and Brody, and ha- or whether it changed, it manifested into something different. I don't know what you guys think. The original pa- plan was for how they were going to interact like with each other. Yeah, I think a lot of that probably came from Gottlieb and Benchley, right? Did Spielberg have much of a hand in writing it? Do you know, Sarah? Mm, I don't believe so. This is where people are going to come for me on the internet if I'm There's wrong. Like a, there, uh, there were a few drafts <laughs> of it, right? A few drafts, yeah. 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 I don't know if Spielberg wrote a draft but, of it. No, but I just, I just wonder what the... Yeah, it's just interesting how like that come about, you know, like the... The um the dynamics between you know Quint and and, and Brody, or whether yeah. like it was yeah. It's 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 interesting to kind of take a look at it too with like all these three moving parts because it's clear Spielberg has like he didn't write it right, but it's clear mm-hmm. he had like a specific vision for what this movie was going to look like, and I feel like we see a lot of it. I mean, he obviously had to compromise a bunch because of the production being a nightmare, but. Um, the, I feel like character dynamic wise, like he knew what he wanted to capture on screen. It seems like, um, like there's a, there's such a confidence in the way he captures the performances and the character interactions that like you can tell what he wanted to show. Um, and so yeah. it's interesting to kind of be like, okay, well, what did he read in the script that made him, you know, block it out this way or frame it this way or whatever. Um, and then with Gottlieb, you know, you have Gottlieb reading Benchley's novel and then kind of cleaning that up because it's a fucking mess. Um, <laughs> and uh, But then you also have the guy who wrote the book that sucks contributing to it as well. Mm. Um, so, yeah, there's a lot going on. Yeah. So it's just, it's interesting that, I mean, it's kind of amazing that the movie works as well as it does. I mean, even at all because of you know, it seems like, you know, if to maybe say the, the most positive thing I've said about the book on <laughs> on the show or maybe ever, I do think if you read the book, it is grounded in a certain point of view and a certain way of storytelling that Peter Benchley wanted to do. Like, it feels like someone's voice is writing that book. Mm-hmm. I don't like it, but but it does feel like it came out of of uh, uh, his brain, you know. But mm-hmm. then you also yeah. you look at the script and you see, you know, I don't know if you can really go in and pick out what what parts Benchley wrote and what parts Gottlieb wrote, but you can see like Gottlieb's influence on it as well, like just kind of the the cleaning it up for the screen and like you know especially getting rid of like the mafia subplot with the, the 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 mayor and like not having the weird hooper uh ellen dynamic and stuff like that like just just streamlining the piece but then you also have like a very specific confident voice behind the camera filming it you know obvious and who's also got the you know the um the audacity of youth on his side where he's like, we're filming on the ocean. Like, you know, I'm not compromising on this and, you know, it's coming mm-hmm. back to bite him uh, uh, emotionally and psychologically, but it's, it's still a very specific point of view and voice that he wanted to get across. So you have these three very strong voices kind of competing to make this final product. And it comes together obviously to make one of the most enduring movies that's ever been made. But 
Mm. When you when you get down to like, oh, what was the original intent here? It's so I feel like it's it can get so muddy because it's mm. just like, I don't know. These, you know, these are clearly three people who wanted to say three things or maybe they wanted to say the same thing, but in three different ways. It's I don't know. It's it's mm. really, really hard to tell. Yeah, for sure. Mm. I think that the the dynamic between Brody and Quint is something that I'm really looking forward to looking at in more detail as the the film goes on because I think that so much of the the first half of the film sort of pre-Orca is is all about Brody and the the other characters aren't in it as much um and what some people say rather unfairly about the second half of the film is that Brody fades into the background and I don't think that is is true at all i just think that the relationship between hooper and quint is that bit spicier um but that doesn't make the relationship between brody and and quint or brody and hooper any less interesting it's just different um so i don't know it's uh, whether the the intention was there to sort of have quint be this kind of fatherly figure i don't know i'm i'm always torn when we're sort of like going in the film in in this level of detail i was like if this is what mm. the the film intended to do, or if this is just us like really diving yeah, into and... <laughs> this yeah. film in detail, which is <laughs> probably, obviously probably. what we're here to do, but yeah, yeah, yeah no, for sure. There's a uh, before I forget as well. There w- there is one, and I'd never noticed it before, but I want to mention it just in case I forget to to to, to bring it up. Is when um, it's right at the end. It's right in the last bit. I don't know if, if you've noticed, but as the boat drives uh, away um, and Quint sits back on his seat, which is quite cool because at the start of this scene, he's like in his chair and then at the end of it, he's back in his chair. So like he starts and finishes in the same spot, which is cool. And so does Hooper. And he's driving the boat. He's at the top. And um, But there's a really funny bit with... Um, with Brody, he's it's like he's going up in a lift and he slowly appears in the window. I don't know if you've got the clip up, but if you watch it right at the end, he just slowly appears and just sort of like it's almost like he's in it's almost like he's in prison, he's in like a little cell in there and he's looking out the bars, like looking out the window. But it's just funny how he slowly like levitates up and you can just see him in like the last bit pop up at the window. I don't know if you noticed I- that before. I was watching it as you were talking about it and describing it, which is why I did a silly little giggle because it really, really made me laugh. Just seeing his really... face appearing. Yeah, I just put. I saw what I put. I put Bro- Brody's little face lol on my bit of paper at the yeah. end. So yeah, he just sort of pop, pops up. Like you know, it's almost like uh, you almost feel sorry for him. You're like, oh god, like you got bloody quint there on his chair all fired up ready to go hooper's at the top driving and brody's just sort of stuck in the middle like you know like just peering out the window feeling sorry for himself with his little plaster on his head yeah i i think he like rubs his head as well you can sort of see his like arm (laughs) lift up a little bit so i think because he hadn't even realized um he hadn't realized he was bleeding until until quint sort of like slapped him around the head and was like get the first aid kit you're bleeding um yeah he sort of is like I don't know, rubbing his head and then maybe like seeing the blood and then being like, oh, <laughs> I should do something yeah. about that. But it's <laughs> it's such a fun like little detail. I mean, it is, you know, yeah. to, to pick out something like that, you've got to be looking like really, really closely at this yeah. film. But, you know, with it is those sort of, the, you know, the characters 
starting or finishing this scene like where they started off like you said and you know quint kind mm-hmm. of like settling back into the back into the chair and, and hooper where he where he was before as well but i just love the the brody is sort of like this confused like lost little baby in the background just trying to get a plaster for yeah his, for his head <laughs> it, it's amazing it's brilliant yeah <laughs> do you guys have anything else um, I have one thing in my notes, which I think Callum maybe mentioned earlier um, about Quint sort of like lifting lifting up his cap when he's talking to Hooper. Um, so we noted previously uh, a little a little Hooperism is uh, Hooper kind of taking off his glasses to clean them, and that's usually when he's about to de- to deliver some kind of truth bomb, basically because. Uh, uh, sort of the clarity of, of cleaning his glasses and then and that's when he sort of delivers a, a great line um but this quint lifting up his cap thing i was like i'm pretty sure i've seen him do that before so you better believe i scrolled back through the film to find out uh when it was uh it is when he is going past on the orca when they found the the tiger shark and he is cackling to himself um you sort of see him like just gently lift up his his cap then so I wondered if, like, a like the Hooperism of cleaning his glasses, if this is a uh, some quintessential behaviour, if you will, um, of sort of when he knows when he knows he's right, or or at least believes he is right anyway, or is this sort of you know, I I have the upper hand in this in this situation. Look at all these dumb people. I'm so smart. Uh, whether in those sort of situations is when he kind of like lifts up his uh, lifts up his cap a little bit, but it's a nice it's a nice touch. Uh, I'm going to be looking out for it to see if it happens again in mm-hmm. the rest of the film. And and I mean, this is obviously really diving into the tiny detail here. I'm sure that was not <laughs> anyone's intention of like when you're doing this thing, just lift your cap up a little bit because then <laughs> three people on a podcast will spend too long talking about this at some point in the future. <laughs> um yep. but i just it's a it's a fun little thing i think to notice these sort of like small character traits um throughout the film yeah my only um my only note that i had was it is extremely funny and very mean <laughs> that quint calls brody or quint calls hooper super cargo <laughs> <laughs> it's so yeah. mean it's so mean. I think it's one of the meanest things I've ever heard in a movie. <laughs> mm. That's that's Quint for you. He'll just be he's just a mean guy, isn't he? <laughs> yeah. Uh Callum, did you have anything yeah. else that you wanted to talk about before we start to wrap up here? Um I just want to I mean, not in terms terms of the scene, I think I've in terms of the scene I think I've gone into uh I think I've pretty much covered covered all of um all of my notes there um but no i just want to i just want to say like massive thank you to you guys i think like when did you start this can you remember the first one long long a lot it's like almost star a wars year ago. A, almost a, a year ago exactly. a long long time ago a year ago yeah so probably like six months ago like um i think on spotify I just put like jaws in i thought oh and then i was like oh what's this and i was like oh my god there's loads of podcasts to listen to already <laughs> like i could scroll back to the start and um I have a bit of a commute to work, so it's been really nice like listening to you guys like on my drive in. It's been it's just been it's been great. Like it'll be a sad day when the when the podcast is over because I've really, really enjoyed listening to you guys. So no, I just really want to say thanks to you guys for doing it because like you make a lot of Jaws fans happy like me, which has been it's been really nice. 
And um, I just have a question for you guys. Like, when did you get to like three or four episodes in and think, "Oh my god, like this is this is going to go on for a long, <laughs> long time"? Or I mean, how did you feel about it when you first started with it? Uh, well, I uh, we started off with what like sixty four episodes, I think. Mm-hmm. MJ, is that right? Yeah. And then okay. I remember just like messaging you one day and was like, "By the way, I've just like redone the episode schedule. And we've <laughs> now got eighty episodes. Lol. Hope that's okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> Lol. Bye. I'm off now. Turn your phone off. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so uh, yeah, at, yeah, at the start, I mean, for I, I'll let you speak to this as well, MJ. But like at the start, for me, I was just like oh boy this is gonna take like a really really long time but it's <laughs> yeah. absolutely flying by like when we reached like mm-hmm. the the halfway point of the film when we reached like the the 40th episode which was like halfway through our through our episodes i was suddenly like oh this is like this is now going like really really quickly it yeah. seems um but there's never been any moment where I've been like, oh, this is dragging. It's my highlight of every week to just talk about my favorite film in this level of detail. So um, it's mm-hmm. it's never a chore, always a delight uh, to talk Jaws. <laughs> yeah, I uh, so there was, for as quickly as we got this project turned around and into people's ears, um, because it was <laughs> only like two weeks, right? Yeah. Um, there was a surprising amount of pre-planning, uh, mainly on Sarah's part. So we had an idea of how many episodes roughly we were going to have, which was, was that original 64. Um, because Sarah is uh, amazing at doing stuff like that. And also she's the one who watched the film and broke it down into the minutes. So um, she went through it in that time and was like okay here's here's how we can break it up initially before the the you know recalibration of how many episodes so we had a clear idea of what this was going to look like um and i honestly like looking at it i didn't i wasn't that intimidated by it because it I think the pandemic helped where it was just like, I mean, I don't, I'm not doing yeah. anything else. I got, <laughs> yeah. I got nothing Let's else do to do for the next question yeah. mark. So, uh, I, you know, I think that that helped a lot where it was just like, ah, oh, well, I mean, it's something to do. Mm. It's, you know, it'll, it'll help yeah. keep me, uh, keep me busy when I've been stuck at home going crazy, you know? Um, yeah, for sure. So and I, I think that that helped, but I'm not sure. I, I do feel like uh, I, if it were maybe other circumstances, I would have been like, this is a big project and I yeah. don't know if I can commit to it or not. But I've never questioned it since uh, since we started. Like, I've never been like, oh, I don't know if we can do this. Because it's just, we've been doing it for a year now, so it's just part of my week, <laughs> you know? Um, yeah, sure. Yeah. Well, so, oh, go ahead. one great... F- one great thing to come out of the pandemic, that's for damn sure. Let's jaws for a minute. Take the take the positives. And yeah. then last question before I go for you guys at what how are you gonna celebrate when you get it done? You gotta have a... you gotta have a Oh and also did you do that challenge? I think it was on one of the other episodes. I was gonna say you'll have to have a beer. Did you try the ring gauge? Because I can't see how that's possible, <laughs> to be honest. So I yeah, the the the, the Did you? The, <laughs> 
they, they were built different in the 70s the cans <laughs> the cans had yeah they were yeah a tab on them to that were was supposed to come off I think. yeah um, not anymore because if you look at those cans from around that time the even the like the the hole where the liquid comes out is different mm-hmm. um, yeah so yeah they, they it's impossible to do now mm-hmm. so what are you guys gonna do when you're all wrapped up you finished the last episode you it's all job done you got any plans uh, cry sleep yeah <laughs> cry and then <laughs> cry yeah, and then yeah have a little we, cry and, we will uh, probably yeah. do something else. i don't know I, we will there's there's yeah. some ideas floating around of of what we might do next i cool. think we will have to cover the jewel sequels just because yeah. so many people have been asking for them and mj has never seen them so i think that will be kind of like a oh, fun, okay uh nice. little little extra we'll probably take a small break just because this is you know it, yeah it, has, it is a lot it has a little break a, yeah it's a lot yeah yeah, yeah. Um, now well done guys good job. yeah we will not sarah and i will not stop podcasting with each other i think <laughs> um, no yeah. you, no you, you guys you guys you're a good double act you got good chemistry with each other like it's, you, you are funny like you're both very funny together so okay. it'd be a shame if you just stopped like you guys should even if you don't do Jaws too, I'm sure you could. Um, what was that film MJ was speaking off air about at the start? <laughs> Jacobs, what was it? Joe's Jake? apartment. Joe's apartment. Joe. Joe's apartment. You did Joe's apartment. Or there were. Or we were throwing around cats. So yeah. you know, put it in a hat, and whatever you pull out, you know, you just yes, you know. Yeah. Just, just cover that. Or maybe, maybe you could just do a poll. You could, in a serious note, you could actually do a poll. Maybe mm-hmm. you could like put a poll out on Twitter and just see what people want you to cover next. Maybe or, you know. But obviously, you guys have got to enjoy it yourself. That's important to keep it going. <laughs> you know. Yeah. So, yeah, keep the motivation up. So, yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. Speaking to the the you know not to drag the podcast on any longer or just like spend a ton of time gushing about. Uh, my co-host or whatever but uh (laughs) to speak to that chemistry we never talked until we recorded the first episode yeah (laughs) really that first the first episode the episode zero that you hear that's the first time we had spoken to each other ever Mm -hmm. that's crazy imagine you really sort of just didn't get on just didn't really sort of uh, yeah, like, I was kind of nervous about it. Bloody hell, this is going to... Yeah, this is going to be... I was a, like, oh, this is going to be easy. Like, this is... Mm-hmm. We, we yeah. Have yeah. This. <laughs> yeah. You're nice and loose and relaxed of each other. It's good. Yeah. Otherwise, it might have been a very short... Uh, yeah. Just cover the first minute and then that was it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Go out in a yeah. blaze of glory with one episode. <laughs> <laughs> one episode. Yeah. Just Let's just tweet. wrap it up. Just going to tweet out. Episode Sorry, two. we hated yeah. each other. <laughs> didn't know that was going to happen we hadn't counted yeah, on epi- that so yeah episode two we're just going to fast forward through the whole movie and then just <laughs> just um just stop yeah smile you son yeah. of a bitch bang done <laughs> <laughs> yeah yeah it's yeah. been i mean it, right. that that side of things has been like really easy and was like a worry for me as well because i think it does make a difference when podcast Mm. hosts don't you know if it is just kind of like people thrown together or whatever um Mm. if you don't know them if you haven't sort of like had any interactions so like it was a bit of a risk and we kind of we put a lot of effort in 
upfront as well with the with the planning out of all the episodes with getting our logo and stuff commissioned and doing all of that stuff so we were kind of like all mm-hmm. in on it like from that is a generous we you did most of that <laughs> no <stop. laughs> I will, I, <laughs> but yeah we um yeah there was that like real risk of like this actually just might not work and mm-hmm. also I think I was concerned initially that we wouldn't be able to fill like an episode each time with yeah with yeah. content it, but I don't know somehow mm-hmm. if we somehow we, we pull it out the bag oh, every time so easy yeah exactly you wouldn't think so but you can an easy 45 minutes to an hour easy mm-hmm. it's no problem mm-hmm. yeah yeah that's very it's good yep. uh, <laughs> yeah well, all right guys thank Callum, you thank you so much for being on man this was this was a blast no worries yeah um do you have anything that you want to plug um, so I don't have anything in terms of social media, but I suppose like you guys, like when I first got into, into, um, you know, we first got into lockdown, um, apart from sort of walking around the house like Quint, um, I, uh, I decided to get into some writing and I decided to write a book. Um, and it's, it's still like the first draft, but it, has got a connection with Jaws. Basically, um, you may have not been there, MJ, but Sarah, you've probably been down to Cornwall, or you know Cornwall really well. Mm-hmm. And I've been I've been going down to Cornwall since I was a kid, and I really like, despite my fear of, you know, especially when I was younger of of uh, you know of sharks. And no matter how many times I've seen Jaws, I do like getting in the sea and, and surfing and bodyboarding and stuff. And um, every year I went down to Cornwall every summer. I mean, you know what it's like. It's always like, oh, great white shark has been spotted, or oh, Jaws. It's always on the. It's like always on like the newspapers, like oh, someone spotted a shark, but a great white shark has never actually been spotted in in Cornwall before. There's so, um, I uh, I decided to write a. I wanted to write a book about what about if what about if there was actually a great white shark in Cornwall? And that's my very first idea. Um, but it's the book's really expanded from that. Like there is an element of that, but um, it's uh, it's like a, a coming of age story that I've been working on. So it's um, it's going to be called Cornish Waters. And that's the, I've got the title and I'm sort of 80, 88, 5,000 words into like a first draft. And I, I've been writing it since lockdown last year. So yeah, when I'm finished with that, I'll um, I'll let you guys know, and maybe you can put it on Twitter for me. So, uh, yeah, I'll keep you informed. I'll let you know how I'm getting on. <laughs> um, yeah, and then as well as that, just yeah, just once again, a massive thank you to you guys. It's uh, yeah, it's been amazing to come on, talk about such a great scene, and yeah, just all the best, and just keep doing what you're doing, and just keep uh, keep enjoying it. <laughs> Yeah, cool. We will definitely be on the lookout for uh, the book. Um, Sarah, do you have anything you want to plug? Um, I do not have anything to plug. This is what happens when I don't have another long-running podcast series. Yeah. Uh, is I have nothing, uh, nothing to mention. So I will instead mention um, one of our kind of like podcast uh, pals uh, who I think we've got coming on maybe next episode actually um just to give a shout out to the fundamentals podcast um with harley we have both been on that multiple times Mm -hmm. uh mj talking about pinball me talking about disney movies and then mj you talked about 30 rock right um and i did the good place uh in his sort of um sitcom summer series 
Um, and it's just, I am not just saying this because we're because we're pals with Harley, but it's a really great podcast. So I would just urge you guys uh, to go and listen to that. You can start off with our episodes. There is an episode on Jaws as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and just listen to uh, any others as well. It's really nice to just hear people talk about things they're really, really passionate about, um, as I hope you get from listening to us talking about Jaws every week. Um, so yeah, I'm going to gonna give my plug to uh, to Harley and Fundamentals podcast. Um, we're very much looking forward to having Harley back on as well very, very soon to talk about a, a wonderful moment in the film. Yes. Uh, yeah, it's, it's a good podcast. And by the way, if you... Uh, you can tell by which sitcoms we picked a lot about both of us Uh, (laughs) a lot about both of us (laughs) like i feel like if you if you listen to the show and then you find out listen to this show and then you find out that sarah was on for the good place and i was on for 30 rock on fundamentals you could just go yeah it makes that tracks (laughs) feels correct (laughs) yep um, I am the co-host of Real Perspective. It's R E E L Perspective on um, the on the where, where you get the podcasts, wherever the podcasts are, you can find them there. Um, don't know what we're doing for our next episode. It's, it's hard to do a current release movies podcast in uh, right now because um, <laughs> everything's kind of wacky uh, still, for lack of a better word. Um, just real touch and go so we do have an episode out on the Suicide Squad I don't know what our next episode will be or when our next episode will be but it is out um, right now and you can listen to that and uh, yeah Um, other than that if you would like to um, follow us on Twitter as us as in the show we are at Jaws for a Minute on, um, on Twitter and we just finished a contest last week um was the deadline to enter for a shirt to celebrate getting 10,000 plays um and once again thank you to those of you who uh, helped us get there because we wouldn't be able to have 10,000 plays without you guys listening so um yeah we just really appreciate you guys supporting the show um that much in less than a year we are Mm -hmm. uh i think Next week is our one-year anniversary show, um, mm-hmm. basically. So, uh, yeah. Um, I, are we announcing the winner that on that episode? Yes, the next the next one that we'll record probably because uh, yeah. Yep. So, because as of when we're recording this episode, the <laughs> the contest is still running um, <laughs> for another ten hours or so. Um, yeah, give or take. <laughs> Yep, more or less. Or thereabouts. Another 10 hours or thereabouts. Uh, yep. So if you have a time travel machine, uh, one, congratulations on being a star of Jaws because Jaws is a time travel movie. And also go back in time and enter the contest. Um, but you can find links to our merch in our Twitter bio. And we have a Redbubble store. We have a Tee Public store that you can purchase uh, one of our two incredible logos. Um, on and speaking of our logos you can uh follow alex our graphic designer at hex ghosts on twitter and uh i know it's uh it's it's still two weeks but uh or three weeks maybe at this point but congratulations alex got married uh recently so first uh 
I mean, I came in married, but first member of the LJ fam fam to, to tie the knot. And then uh, Sarah will be the second. Um, and then that's everyone, I think. Um, and uh, yeah, so you can follow him at HexGhosts on Twitter and take a look at his uh, his work. He does the illustrations for it. Does he write uh, Trexy as well? No, it's um, it's his partner, Jake, who writes and Alex does the illustrations for it. But yeah, they've got a book. Uh, which is oh, lovely. I somehow didn't connect the dots that Jake wrote this. <laughs> yeah, little, little team effort. <laughs> I feel like an idiot. <laughs> <laughs> Don't worry. Um, anyway, he has a children's book that he does the illustrations for called Trexy, and Trexy is very cute, um, and you should go support that and buy a copy for uh, yourself or the children in your life. Um you can follow me at mjsmith891 on Twitter. You can follow Sarah at Sarah Buttery. That's S-A-R-A-H-B-U-D-D-E-R-Y. Um, if you have anything you want to talk to us about, uh, our DMs are open on Twitter. You can also email the show uh, at jawsforaminute at gmail.com if you don't have a social media presence. Callum, I think that's how you got in touch with us. Um, and we're able to yeah, get on the show. Yeah, I did. Um, yeah, we are, we are there and, and we check it, uh, you know, fairly regularly. So, um, yeah, if you would like to, uh, purchase our theme song, it is written and performed by Kristen Falls, who is my wife, uh, but not in a Borat way, even though <laughs> I come dangerously close to saying it that way every week. Um, you can follow her at Kristen Falls Music on instagram and you can purchase the theme song on bandcamp which you can find a link to in our twitter bio and in her instagram bio um and last thing if you guys would like to support us uh just monetarily you can donate to our coffee page which is once again link in bio um and our link tree but if you do that we are on our way to a donation goal and once we hit that donation goal much like i just hit my microphone uh you will be entered to win a piece of Jaws for a Minute merch. Um, so that is that is another way to, if you missed the contest that ended last week, you can donate. I think it's a minimum $3. So $3 will, will get you a, a place in the pool to um, potentially win a, a piece of merch from us. And if you've already donated to us, one, thank you. And two, um, know that, that you are entered henceforth. So going forward until... <laughs> Uh, unless you have previously won one of these donation goal contests. So, yeah, thank you guys so much for supporting the podcast. This was episode 50 somehow, uh, <laughs> which blows my mind. I can't I can't believe we've already hit 50 episodes, but thank you guys so much for listening. Uh, make sure to like, subscribe, comment. Uh, uh, I guess you can't really comment on most podcasts, but leave us a review. Um, and share the show with your friends so that we can get to, uh, I don't know, 20,000 by the time we hit the, uh, the 80 episode mark. I don't know if that's a bit ambitious. It seems like it, but, um, yeah, thank you guys again for, for the support. And until next week, it's Jaws o'clock somewhere.